As Fred said, my name is Andrew Neighbor. I've been a member here for about four years. I lead a growth group. I also help out with our student ministry as well. I am privileged, honored, and excited to be here with you guys this morning. But before we get started, I have a question for you guys. How do you feel about crowds? I kind of like them. Now, whether you're at a concert, at Dollywood, at a basketball game, or in line at Ingalls, we all have to deal with other people. And this This is, one second. Now, at concerts that I go to, one thing that I like doing is, you know, standing up there in and amongst the crowd, because I like crowds. And when I'm there, after standing shoulder to shoulder for people with three hours singing songs back to them, I cultivate closeness. I, I get to know the people around me. Similar thing, when I was at Liberty, I would go to our football games. And while I was there, I would always make sure I sat in the front row, right at the 50-yard line. Not because I love football, but because I wanted to be right there with the opposing team's bench, about where the front row is here, and so I could heckle them. And after doing this with my other friends that I've made, we would become close. After four quarters of that, we would have cultivated closeness. And when you do that, you strengthen relationships. We're going to look at two men today who have done this, in Elijah and Elisha. We're going to be in 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 7 through 14. If you have your phone, it's going to be in the Bible app. Go ahead and open that up, check events, click on Fellowship Asheville, and the verses will be there, as well as some questions to consider at the end. If you're using the Pew Bible in front of you, it'll be on page 247. We're going to look specifically at the end of Elijah's time here on earth, and we're going to pick up the story as Elijah and Elisha are traveling from Gilgal across the Jordan to the desert. And we're going to start in the second half of verse 7. Here we go. They were both standing by the river Jordan. Then Elijah took his cloak and rolled it up and struck the water. And the water was parted to the one side and to the other, till the two of them could go over on dry ground. I love what we see here, because this is quite possibly the most casual parting of the waters in the entire Bible. Think about it. When Moses parts the Red Sea, it's this super dramatic thing the Israelites are escaping the chasing Egyptian army. It's, it's this incredible, dramatic thing. And again, when Joshua parts the Jordan River twice, it's so that the Israelites can enter into the promised land. There's this weight. There's the history of Israel behind those things. Here, Elijah needs to get to the other side of the river. And this is typical for Elijah. He does, has done lots of miracles throughout the Bible. He's called down fire from heaven. He's controlled the weather. He's even brought a woman's dead son back to life. Elijah can, does this. God uses Elijah to do this because he trusts God. And trust cultivates closeness and strengthens relationships.
Elijah trusts God, not just for the big things like the miracles, but also in his daily life as well. He relies on God for his food, for his water, for other people's food and water. He trusts God. And in the small things too, like when he parted the river here, they went across on dry ground, which is convenient because they were wearing sandals. Now, I've trusted God as well. When I was a freshman at Liberty, I knew two things. Number one, God had called me to be at Liberty. Number two, I could not afford to keep going to Liberty. So, I was stressed. And I wrote an email off to our chancellor saying, hey, God's called me to be here. I can't be here. Please help. And so, I sent that off, and then I prayed every day for like three months while going back home to Delaware at a job I hated, and just through all that until one day, I get a phone call from Liberty saying, hey, we got your email, and we have some scholarships available for you. I was able to stay in school. The Lord provides Elijah also involved God in his life. When we involve God, we are cultivating closeness and strengthening relationships. God was a part of everything that Elijah did. How do we involve God in our lives? With prayer. One way that I do this is when I am driving. Now, obviously, I don't close my eyes when I pray when I'm driving, but it's this sweet time that I have when I'm talking to God. It's just me and him in my car, and now I don't do this nearly as often as I should, but when I do, my day goes just a little bit better. We also involve God in ways, and I don't, sometimes I don't even think we realize it. When we pray before meals, when we pray for sick loved ones, when we pray for traveling mercies, I encourage you, church, don't just do these as, as a ritual, but rather when you pray for your food, take a minute and actually pray. Involve God in your life. Be intentional with these moments. Let's go ahead and look at verse nine. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, ask what I shall do for you before I am taken from you. This is weird. This is Elijah asking Elisha what Elisha thinks his blessing should be, which is still weird. Typically, in Israel, when an elder passes on a blessing to an heir, it's a thing. It's, it's property. It's wealth. It's whatever they have in their power to to bestow upon them. And in verses one through seven here, we see that Elijah doesn't do that. What Elijah does is, as they are traveling around Israel from Bethel and Jericho and Jordan and, and these places, all four of them, they are, they're stopping at each one each one is like a different prophet school or seminary. And at each of those, 
Elijah offers Elisha, well, he tells him, stay, stay here. And each time Elisha says, no, I wanna keep going with you. And when he's at each of those, he could be, he, he would be in charge of them. That would be a blessing. But each time Elisha says, no. And so they come to where they are here. After they've crossed the Jordan River, and finally, Elijah stops here and he says, what is it that you want? So let's look at the rest of verse nine and see what does Elisha ask for? And Elisha said, please, let there be a double portion of your spirit on me. And he said, you've asked a hard thing, yet if you see me as I'm being taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if you do not see me, it shall not be so. Elisha asks for a double portion of the spirit of the most powerful, amazing prophet Israel had ever seen. This this is an incredible thing to ask for. Even if Elisha only got half of this, amazing still happens. He's been with Elijah for years. He's seen him do what God uses him to do. He's seen him call down fire from heaven. He's heard of how in 1 Kings chapter 18, he invited God in, not just to show up, but to show off and humiliate the prophets of Baal. He knows this. He knows how powerful Elijah, how much spirit Elijah has. And yet he asks for double. The audacity of this is, is, is amazing. So, why would Elijah take such an audacious request seriously? Because of the time that they have spent together. Spending time together cultivates closeness and strengthens relationships. From the time that Elijah was called in First Kings, sorry, Elisha, from the time Elisha was called in First Kings chapter 19, these guys seemed inseparable. They had spent years together. They were close. And the more time you spend together, the more you build that relationship, the more you strengthen that relationship. So I encourage you, church, spend time together. Build godly friendships. Strengthen healthy relationships. We also see here that this is a special kind of relationship. This is a mentor and a mentee. And this is something we see in the Bible, we see it in Star Wars, and we see it, I've seen it in my own life as well. In the Bible, right, we see it with Naomi and Ruth, in, with Jesus and the disciples, with Paul and Timothy. In Star Wars, we see it with Obi-Wan and Luke, and in the newer movies with Luke and Ray. And in my life, I've had um, one of my mentors was my youth pastor growing up, Bill. He encouraged me. He invested in me. He taught me scripture, and he took time to mentor me. And that is one of the reasons why I help out with our our student ministry today. This is how it was for Elijah and Elisha. They were close. The cultist, sorry, the closeness that they had cultivated together is one of the reasons that Elisha was so comfortable asking for such a big thing and that Elijah was so comfortable answering such a big thing. 
And this, this spending time together is something that I think we as a church do quite well. One thing that Fred says that I love is when he says, I love being the church with you. And I think that phrase really encapsulates who we are as a church, how we don't just spend time together on Sunday mornings, but throughout our weeks. And one thing we do this time of year that I love is our summer get-togethers. It's when we are inviting each other in to enjoy the day, enjoy the weather, and enjoy each other. It's a, it's a really cool thing. And no matter what stage of life you're in, there is a place for you here at Fellowship Asheville. We have growth groups. We have focus groups. We also um, have so many other things. And I encourage you, get connected. If you're looking for a place to, to get connected or to serve, talk to me, talk to Fred, talk to Nick. We'll get you connected. Let's look at Elijah's response to this bold question here in verse 10. And he said, you've asked a hard thing, yet if you see me as I'm being taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if you do not see me, it shall not be so. Elijah acknowledges the immensity of this request and he's honest and transparent in his response. Honesty cultivates closeness. Honesty strengthens relationships. When we're honest with one another, we trust one another. We respect one another. We believe in one another. Even though Elijah knows this is a hard thing, he still is honest in his response. He still says, this is hard. It's easy to be dishonest. Why are we dishonest? Why do I lie? I lie to protect myself. I lie because I'm scared what other people would think, how other people would react to the truth if they know me. Why, why did Adam and Eve hide in the Garden of Eden? They hid to protect themselves. They hid because they were scared, naked, and ashamed. And shame is toxic. The fall broke trust, and it broke us. Let's look at the first part of verse 11. And as they still went on and talked. Now, Elijah and Elisha just had this incredible, life-changing conversation, right? Where Elisha asks for a double portion of the spirit, and Elijah knows that he's leaving soon. There's no awkward silence after that. They still go on and talked. Now, what were they talking about was Elijah giving Elisha some last-minute advice. Or are they discussing where LeBron's going to go in free agency and why it's going to be to the Sixers? I don't know. <laughs> My point is, they still went on and talked. Let's go ahead and look at the rest of verse 11 and 12. Behold, chariots of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it and he cried, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And he saw him no more. Then he took hold of his own clothes and tore them into two pieces. Behold, chariots of fire and horses of fire. Can you imagine what a sight this would be? Can you imagine being Elisha standing there and this 
horse on fire comes down from heaven, sweeps right in between you and your mentor, and he's taken up in a fire tornado and you'll never see him again. Can you imagine what that looks like and and how that feels? Here's what Elisha says when he sees this. He He cries out, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen, and he saw him no more. And he took hold of his own clothes and tore them into two pieces. Cultivated closeness is grieved when it's gone. Now, Elijah isn't dead here, but he is gone. The time that they had spent together is missed. Elijah and Elisha had been together for years, and Elisha had followed in Elijah's footsteps. He had gotten a PhD in the way of the prophets. And so going from that to losing someone you care about is hard. Trust me, I know. My father passed away on March 11th this year. I got a phone call that morning when I found out, and I'd already taken a week off of work. I was going to go see him, and I couldn't. Instead, I had to go to a funeral, and that was really, really hard. Cultivated closeness is grieved when it's gone. Now, it wasn't completely unexpected that my dad had um, passed away either. I'd known since January that, you know, it'd probably be months, not years, that he had left. But it's still hard. Elisha knew Elijah was leaving, but it's still hard. And in this moment, we see that Elisha tears his cloak into two pieces. It's a symbol for his shredded heart. He's heartbroken. When he cries out, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and his horsemen, where he says my father is not just calling him his father, but also it's his role, Elijah's role as head prophet of Israel. It's, uh, we see Elisha have this same title later on in 2 Kings chapter 6 and 13. And so in this, Elijah isn't, sorry, Elisha isn't just mourning his mentor, but he's also mourning for all of Israel, that they've lost their prophet, their leader. When Billy Graham passed away, how we mourned that loss corporately is very different than how Billy Graham's family mourned his passing. How my church back home, or my dad's church back home, Brandywine Valley Baptist mourned my dad is different than how I am mourning my father. There is now an Elijah-shaped hole left in Israel. Let's look at verse 13. And he took up the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. So here we see Elijah takes up the cloak. NASB refers to this cloak as the mantle. And fun fact, this is where we get the phrase to pick up the mantle from because that's exactly what Elijah is doing here. This is the same cloak that Elijah parts the Jordan River with just a few verses earlier. 
This is the same cloak that Elijah throws around Elisha when he calls Elisha as his heir in 1 Kings chapter 19. And after Elijah does this, Elisha then turns and says, hey, can, can, can I run back? Can I say goodbye to my mom and dad? And here's what Elijah says. He says, go back again, for what have I done to you? Elijah isn't binding Elisha to him or anything. He still has a chance to go back and say goodbye. And we see here that this is in stark contrast to what Jesus says when a similar thing happens in Luke 9, 59 and 60, which says this. To another, he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Elijah is a great prophet, but Christ is greater still. Nothing is more important than following Christ. Elijah and Elisha have spent their entire lives pointing people to God, but Christ died so that we could have a relationship with him. And I encourage you, if you haven't yet said yes to Jesus, do that today. He loves you. He died for you. And for those of us who have said yes to Jesus, this is still true. Nothing is more important than following Christ. Nothing is more important than following Christ. And it's easy to get distracted from this. I know in my own life, I have my daily goals, I have career goals, I have my own life goals, but ultimately, all of these goals should fall under the ultimate goal, which is following Christ. When we cultivate closeness with God, we are strengthening our relationship with God. We are putting him first. Matthew 6, verse 33 says this. Seek first the kingdom of God. And that's what we're supposed to do. And we see Elisha do this in verse 14. Then he took the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him and struck the water, saying, Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? And when he had struck the water, the water was parted to one side and to the other, and Elisha went over. Elijah and Elisha pointed people to God and ultimately to Christ. And here we see Elisha call upon the Lord. And I love this because here we see Elisha names God twice. The first time, he says, the Lord. That is, Yahweh or Jehovah. It's the name that God gave himself when he was talking to Moses in the burning bush. When he asked, what, what should I call you? And he said, I am. That's, that's the Lord. The second name of God here is the God of Elijah. And this is something that this is the only time in scripture we see this name of God used, the God of Elijah. Oftentimes, we'll see the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and Jacob. And what these symbolize is, is that person's faith. As we talked about recently, when Isaac laid Jacob on the altar, that faith, the faith that does that, when you're talking about the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, that's the faith that we're talking about here. And this, this is a testament to Elijah's 
faith. When someone's faith is recognized, God is their God. It's an emphasis on who God is and who God is to that person. So it's a testament to Elijah's faith. So I have a question. Who do you know that is so on fire for God that you see that character or an aspect of the character of God in their life where you're like, yes, I see the Lord in that person. For me, my father, it was very easy to see that and see God as father, I have, a heavenly father, I have a heavenly father who's great and wonderful because, and I can see that, I can relate to that because of my earthly father. I, I've been blessed in that. But I didn't always get to see God as my friend until when I was in high school, I was in a musical called Fiddler on the Roof. And in, in this musical, uh, the main character is Tevya who's a Jewish guy with five daughters in the early 1900s in Russia. And his life is hard. And in that, we see him talk to God as a friend. And yet, he remains reverent. He's talking to God as a friend and as, as God. It, it's a really cool thing. I encourage you, go, go watch the musical. It's great. Um, I want to cultivate closeness with the God of Tevye, because I want to see God as my friend. I want to cultivate closeness with the God of my father, Roland Neighbor, because I want the forgiveness of God to never cease to amaze me. And I want to cultivate closeness with the God of my friend, Gary Smith, because I want the mysteries of God to compel me. So I encourage you, look around. We have some truly amazing people here at Fellowship with some truly amazing aspects of God shining through them. I invite you to to use some of the things we've talked about here to to look at that. Do you trust them? Are, Are you involving God in your relationship with them? Are you spending time with them? Are you honest with them? And if they left, if if they moved, would you miss that relationship when it's gone? Would you grieve it after it's gone? Any relationship can be strengthened. And I encourage us to utilize these tools to to do so with anyone, with the Lord, and with anyone he lays on our hearts. Let's pray.